Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best tech leaders in the world to help you scale from 2 million ARR to 100 million ARR. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Paul Aji, the CEO and co-founder at RME. He has been serving companies like Palantar and Grab. He, he moved forward to start his own um, company. Paul, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So let's get to know a little bit more about yourself. Uh, so how did you end at uh, Orangi uh, and later what, what is Orangi? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, essentially uh, throughout my career, I originally uh, started in Washington, D.C. Um, I was working for a government contractor uh, and in 2009, I met a small company at the time, uh, Palantir, which you, you had mentioned. Um, spent about seven years there uh, getting to scale the business. So I was in Washington, D.C. for a couple of years, uh, then subsequently uh, actually went to Afghanistan for a year. Um, I was working for Palantir there and then I was in Korea after that and then Singapore uh, and then uh, New Zealand, uh, mostly working on uh, both government intelligence uh, as well as cybersecurity problems. Um, after that, I uh, came to a, a company here in Singapore called uh, Grab, uh, which I'm sure most of you uh, know about as well, uh, and uh, ran their security team. And basically, uh, I'd always been uh, sort of starting companies my, my, my whole life. Um, I got an opportunity to learn a lot uh, watching Palantir scale from, from about 80 people when I joined to over 3,000 3, now, um, and uh, uh, yeah, decided to start Harangi. Um, while I was at Grab, I had trouble finding uh, security vendors that understood uh, the public cloud uh, and saw an opportunity to, to build a business and uh, ended up starting Harangi um, with uh, CTO uh, Lee Salt, who's, who's my, my actual first cousin. Cool, well then, and um, of course, uh, we see that you are completely passionate about the cybersecurity space and it's one of the most trendy uh, industries nowadays and uh, we have even some investors that are now uh, exclusively focused on on this vertical so how is orangi trying to change the world and impact the world yeah sure i mean uh, we've been through a couple of product innovations but um <clears throat> we, we basically are a product and services company uh, on the product side, uh, we build uh, something in the uh, cloud security posture management space. Um, but essentially, we work with the public cloud providers to help them uh, and their customers secure their public cloud infrastructure. Uh, so they all work on a shared responsi responsibility model around security. And what we focus on is the client security posture, uh, just making sure that they've configured their cloud, are monitoring their cloud, um, and sort of sending them alerts, giving them the opportunity to fix any security issues that are found in the cloud. Uh, as their developers are working on it. Um, and then on the services side, we do a lot of the work that traditional companies, uh, cybersecurity services companies do. So things like penetration testing, uh, incident response, um, but we also do um, virtual CISO. Uh, so basically we help companies uh, get an understanding of where they're at in their security lifecycle. And then of course, help them uh, with a roadmap and execution on where they wanna be uh, in their security uh, lifecycle as well. And um, you know, we mostly focus on companies that are, have adopted the cloud in some way. Um, so a lot of the tech companies in Southeast Asia uh, use Harangi, uh, but we're also uh, working with a lot of the large enterprises as well as they make that uh, shift to the cloud. Got it. So uh, as, as you know, we cover uh, here in this podcast different stages of, of growth uh, from one to five, from five to 10, 10 to 20, 
20 to 50, 50 to 100, and we even add one outlier episode with the um, chief product officer uh, at Box uh, that covers the, the next journey from <laughs> 100 million to uh, 1B. Uh, that, that's another story. So uh, where, where are you in so the audience can understand uh, where, where is your context? So in terms of ad counts, funding rounds, so a little bit the stage of the company um, now. Sure. Uh, so we're about 80 people. Um, and we are uh, quite close to five, so say five to ten uh, uh, in the ARR. Um, okay. And then um, you know we have multiple offices across the region because Southeast Asia is spe uh, specifically quite uh, um, you know there's different countries uh, that we operate in, uh, so that, that adds an additional challenge. Um, yeah, so that's where we're at. Oh, and uh, you know we're in the process of raising our uh, Series B uh, right now. All right, so shout out for some investors who are really looking forward for an amazing company in the cybersecurity uh, space. Uh, I, I love Southeast Asia. I've, I've, uh, I've been there several times. One of our co-founders is, is based in, in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, mm -hmm. And I see that one of the very big markets in, in, the, in the region is uh, Indonesia, where we have uh, several, I'm not, I would not say several because uh, several we only several unicorns we only have in the U.S. and and, and China, and fortunately uh, than other countries. But in the region is is really the the country with more unicorns, I, I believe. But you can correct me. Yeah, that's correct. Um, you know, we Gojek is actually uh, you know one of our biggest clients, um, and we've been working with them since uh, pretty much the beginning of the company, so late 2016. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, Indonesia is, is one of the biggest markets, second biggest market for us besides Singapore. Uh, it's an exciting place. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity there, a lot of growth happening, uh, you know, specifically in the tech, tech space, but also like across uh, industries. Um, you know, we see the security need in Indonesia uh, uh, continually growing as a lot, of, a lot more people sort of adopt the cloud. So uh, we have a heavy focus there and have about a 15-person team there as well. Uh, so we'll continue to grow uh, Indonesia as much as we can. That's, that's awesome. So typically we, we cover three critical ingredients to scale uh, in, the in, in the show. Uh, sometimes we do a little bit of an iteration because this is a, a continuous learning process uh, as, as we work with companies, as we learn from our uh, guests as well and their experiences. Uh, and we always talk about team, um, uh, focus and uh, culture or rhythms execution. Um, so those are the three main ingredients to, to scale. Uh, I would start today and iterate a little bit, um, starting with focus, um, because nowadays the kind of the SaaS enterprise napkin, which was uh, initiated by Christoph Fiennes of, of Point9 Capital, um, uh, had some some milestones, but it was not the one that I wanted to talk about. Uh, sorry about this, which is I wanted to talk about the triple, two times, double, three times from uh, one investor in based in New York, if I'm not wrong, uh, Battery uh, Ventures, one of the partners. And, and nowadays there is a lot of expectations in terms of, of growth. And, and some of this growth, sometimes it's a little bit insane and, and we need to give some context to where we are. And so th this theory for the ones who are joining for the first time, the podcast is kind of growing from after product market fit, let's say one to million ARR, 
triple two times from two to six million and then six to 18 million and then double three times from 18 to 36, 36 to 72 and 72 to 144 million, uh, which is 100, 100 million plus. So the, the goal of venture capital would be to get from zero to 100 million in five, seven years. This is really world, 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 world class. Very, very difficult to do. Very few companies in the history uh, have, uh, have done. So what do you think about those expectations? And, and, um, and, and at the same time, I'm sorry about the large, the long question. Uh, we are now seeing a new trend of people that say, I prefer to bootstrap as much as, as I can. I try to be capital efficient. And if I want to slow down growth, that's, that's okay. So what, what is going on in your mind in terms of uh, speed of growth uh, with Orangi? Sure. Um, yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, and like, I think, you know, we're, we're in a bit of a unique position because, you know, we, we have like basically a SaaS business and a services business. Uh, you know, one is, e I wouldn't say easy to scale, but one is easier to scale than the other. <laughs> um, right. You know, so it's like a bit more challenging for us. Um, but, but yeah, I think like, you know, obviously, like, as you mentioned, the world-class companies that can double or triple revenues every year, uh, you know, it's amazing. And if you can do it without like, you know, basically running off the track. I think that's awesome. Um, but I also think like, you know, it, it's reasonable and okay to grow slower. Um, and it may be that you triple one year, uh, you know, maybe you, you uh, just double the next, or maybe you, you only grow 50% the next year, but I actually think that's okay. Uh, as long as you are capital efficient. <laughs> um, so right. like you can't expect, and I, I think no one should realistically expect that they will triple or double every year. Um, because you know, the, the, frankly, over the past, I think, 10, 15 years, we've, well, really 12 years, we've been in sort of like a macro economy that uh, has been growing quite fast. Um, so if that changes, you know, like expectations will change. And I think we kind of already see that starting to happen with uh, a lot of the uh, soft bank investments and um, everyone kind of learning that, hey, you know, maybe like scaling that fast isn't actually good or healthy for the business. And we should right. think more about uh, investing in terms of ROI and profitable business lines. And I think we're, we're a bit closer to that side. Like we won't just uh, blow money to triple. Uh, we'll think about it sensibly. Right. And I think like, you know, our space being in security is like, you know, frankly, like we need to be sensible, right? Like we have our own uh, sort of duty to our customer base uh, to be uh, thoughtful and sort of, um, you know, very, very exact about how we uh, invest and build our product. Um, because, you know, and a lot of times we're taking the, um, you know, their sensitive data and using it, right? So, uh, you know, we, we need to be a bit more careful there than, than other folks because our reputation is paramount. Um, so uh, for us, uh, we grow at the speed that we think is healthy for the business. Sometimes that's double or triple, uh, and that has happened to us. Uh, but the most recent year, you know, we, we decided to slow down a bit. Uh, and I think we probably will slow down a bit uh, this year and go for something more like doubling. Uh, rather than tripling just because uh, we want to build the right team, build the processes that allow us to scale in the future, uh, make sure that things, of course, and most importantly, run, run smoothly and securely for our clients. Right. That, that, that's really a, a great point. And, and in terms of getting here, so uh, um, in order to, and sometimes to get from one to five or five to 10, uh, it might be enough to start planning 12 or 18 months in advance, kind of between rounds. Uh, but in order to then to go from 10 to 20 or 20 to 50, we we can we need to start thinking a little bit more uh, long term first. And second, it's all about the speed. So um, when when scaling up, it's very counterintuitive and very tempting to try to open up the verticals, open up the geos, 
and go for world domination. And then what we are doing is diluting our resources and getting nowhere and getting frustrated and coming back to and losing what is the most precious asset when scaling up, which is uh, time, even more than than money, of course. Uh, if we if we join if we combine time and money it's a complete uh, disaster but it's kind of the superhero syndrome so we were able to go through product market fit to have early growth and now we think that we we will always win and and we 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 lose a little bit of respect uh, to the market what was your experience with focus in terms of geos in terms of verticals in terms of being cautious and doubling down instead of diluting uh, your resources too much yeah, I think, uh, you know, we've made a lot of mistakes as, as a business in terms of expanding too fast or uh, focusing on verticals that um, too early. Um, uh, and I think like, you know, the more focus you can have and, you know, frankly, like throughout the process, most of the VCs had been telling me this. Um, but it's very hard. I think like when you're in the trenches, uh, like, you know, the opportunities in front of you and like you're trying to hit your numbers, et cetera, uh, that you, you can right. get sort of swayed off the track, right? Um, and I, I think like definitely next, next time around, it's like one thing I want to do better is, is plainly focus, uh, focus on a, a region, focus on a specific country, even, um, and a specific, uh, sector, own that sector and then spread from there. Um, I think with cybersecurity, it's, it's not something that is really sec sector specific. I mean, there is sector specific pieces, um, but for us, like, you know, being a, a cloud security posture management platform, uh, pretty much anyone that's using the cloud can be our customer. Um, but looking back, I think if we, um, we did in some ways double down on tech and I think like that's where we've had our, our highest growth. Um, but if we had, had taken the resources from focusing on other segments and put them on tech and earlier, uh, I think, you know, we, we could have been a, a, a little, uh, uh, further in our, our growth stage. Um, but I think all in all, like, you know, the, um, I'm just uh, super grateful that I had that opportunity to learn that, uh, and also, uh, it didn't, um, mess it up. So I think, um. You know, the focus thing is hugely important. Um, and, it's, and again, like as an entrepreneur, as someone who like wants to make customers or potential customers happy, it's very hard to, to not focus. But uh, in the end of the day, it probably is the, the, the best thing to do. Okay. And uh, any learnings? So do you also have, uh, as another SaaS and enterprise businesses, the issue of needing to serve uh, small businesses, mid-markets and enterprise at the same time, or are you more focused in one of those um, segments? Yeah, uh, I think, you know, we, we serve all three right, right. now. Um, I think as we grow and as we sort of uh, market, um, we'll probably end up looking a bit more towards the mid-market uh, enterprise. Uh, in terms of how we market and serve doesn't mean we won't serve the small businesses and it's a very important part of our uh, our journey but um i think just like where we want to be as a, as a company it'll be more on the mid-market and enterprise um i think spreading yourself across like there's advantages because you kind of get to understand uh what works in the different uh, uh sort of uh, um segments but um you know over a period of time you probably should choose um, when you choose, I think is debatable, um, but definitely choosing and focusing, uh, uh, for a decent amount of time is going to be important. Got it. Um, so, and coming to one of the important, one of the most important topics that, uh, every single investor, every single entrepreneur would, would talk about, which is the, um, the team. And there is always this, uh, theoretical question, uh, about, should we go first for strategy or first for, for team? And that's why I was kind of changing uh, the order several times in, in the podcast. 
uh, and I believe that after five million uh, ARR, the, the 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 job of building strategy is not anymore uh, exclu exclusively uh, of the CEO, and it should be of the leadership team because it is getting more and more complex. Complex. There is so many moving pieces that is, there is not not a job anymore for just one person. It's for for a team. Um, and uh, and this is one of the points. So from uh, one to one hundred million, we will maybe lead uh, five to seven companies. We need to be uh, five to seven C different CEOs uh, to have five to seven different leadership teams if we want really to um, to grow fast. Um, and and this is this is really a lot of times. And I think that we underestimate a lot as leaders uh, the importance of investing a lot of time on building the team instead of doing stuff. And that's the part of going from entrepreneurial CEO to a executive CEO, doing less stuff and working more on hiring the right the right people, building relationships with the right people, setting direction, facilitating instead of uh, setting the strategy straight away. So what is your experience kind of moving from the one to five and now preparing five to 10 and anticipating your next stages about um, the team that you need to build and, and how you evolve yourself uh, as the CEO to not become the bottleneck? Yeah. Yeah, this is a great question and, uh, you know, something I sort of uh, struggled with myself. Uh, so it's a, it's a good point. I think um, you know, going from execution mode to sort of uh, uh, setting strategy, uh, running meetings and finding the right people, I think it's a hard switch for uh, for me. It was, I can't uh, speak for other entrepreneurs, but I imagine it is. Um, and, you know, I, I struggled with that. Um, but I've been lucky that I have, uh, have, have, have got a great leadership team. Uh, here at Harangi. Um, so we, we brought over our VP of Revenue, Mike from, from the Valley. Um, we brought uh, Jim and uh, our VP of uh, CyberOps who runs our services team, uh, also uh, from the US. And then uh, Kevin, who's our chairman, um, came from GIC, which is the Sovereign Wealth Fund here, has been helping us quite a bit as well. I think, you know, we've been blessed with uh, leaders in, in product and uh, engineering uh, as well. Um, and those, you know, they're all hires that uh, I've Severe, like focused on a lot and focused a lot on bringing them in and making sure they had uh, the right growth opportunity uh, or marketing uh, VP as well. Um, everyone pretty much uh, I've recruited or been involved with recruiting heavily. Uh, and I believe that uh, recruiting is one of the greatest skills that, that you can have as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, getting the right people to, to solve the problems that are in front of you is extremely important. Um, you know, having like, I mean, frankly, I'm not like a finance guy. We've got a great VP of finance too that like helps me solve some of the nitty gritty problems with our model. Uh, and things like that. I think all those things, if you have the right people in place, just help you grow. Um, and as a CEO, obviously, you're not going to be the subject matter expert in each function of your business. Um, and your job is more to string everything together to make sure your, your team is focused in solving the right problems. And that leads into like the team and I guess the cadence of our leadership team and how we do it. Um, so for us, we have a weekly meeting where we discuss the, no more than three topics. Um, and we basically uh, focus in drilling deeper into those topics, trying to solve whatever problem it may be, or maybe it's an update, depending. Um, and we do that every week. Um, and like personally, I, I look forward to those meetings and, and hopefully my leadership team does as well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I find it a good avenue to solve problems. And, and I think everyone on the leadership team uh, gets a good understanding of the problems that the business is facing. Uh, and, you know, it helps us sort of <clears throat> solve problems as a team. Because if you don't know what other teams are doing, it's very easy to assume. 
but I think uh, having a leadership team together, having updates and sort of uh, being a part of solving the problems help them sort of understand that, you know, like each team will go through difficult times uh, throughout the life cycle of the company. Um, and, you know, maybe the whole team will go through a difficult time at some point. Um, but having that understanding of of what people are working on and what problems they're facing and how you can help is hugely important. And I think the, the spend, team spending time together is also important, like uh, casual time, not necessarily about work. I think when you, when you generally uh, like someone or at least understand someone uh, and why, how or why they make decisions, it makes, you much more, uh, make, makes it much easier for you to work with them and solve problems together. Absolutely. You, you introduced it already, the, um, the third topic, which is great, which is the, the culture of execution rhythms uh, that you play with, with, with the team, uh, which is um, quite amazing. Do you have any kind of quarterly reviews or quarterly offsites, monthlies, uh, any of those uh, rhythms in place? Yeah, so we do quarterly OKRs, um, and we generally do. We'll do like a day offsite to like discuss uh, major business changes uh, OKRs. Um, and we haven't historically done it every quarter, but last quarter we started, and uh, now it's something we'll be we doing going forward. I found a lot of value from that. We we also got an opportunity to to work with our uh, executive coach Rob and kind of um, just sit around and give each other feedback. I found that like super powerful for for the team, not only for me uh, to hear what. Uh, I do that other people don't like or they feel like inhibits them. Um, but for uh, all of them together to sort of talk about and kind of understand like how we can all work better together uh, and get better as individuals. I think that that is really powerful to have a session like that. And then also like, of course, your, your normal planning because um, it helps sort of solve both the problems of like working together, knowing each other, um, but also uh, being focused on uh, solving the right problems. Um, yeah. This is, this is a, a very good point. Of course, there is a, um, a book that I really recommend for those kind of dynamics, which is the five dysfunctions of a team of mm. Patrick uh, Lencioni. Uh, there is also another uh, book that I recommend from him to, to CEOs that, that I work with and, and into the community, which is the five temptations of a, of a CEO. Uh, which is really quite amazing and, uh, and, and spot on. And one of the issues that it talks about, and it happens, it, it's very lonely to, um, to be a, a CEO. So there is a temptation to talk about our own worries and about our own issues with, uh, with the team. So it's very difficult to understand when are we being vulnerable and sharing what we are thinking about or when we are uh, sharing too much that we should be sharing with someone outside the company that is impartial instead of uh, having those worries going through the team, which can block execution, can paralyze some personalities. And, and uh, that's amazing what you are sharing. And I think that uh, other founders uh, should follow the same, get to know each other, get to know the personalities and, and play uh, on the strengths of each individual um, to help the team to, to conquer results. Because sometimes what we are doing is to blame each other uh, about what is not happening. And, and as you were saying, uh, I've never found a company that is always excited at all times and everything is going well uh, every single day. <laughs> so, and especially in this kind of uh, companies where I growth, I pressure, uh, as I say, it's, it's, this is the Olympics of business, right? So yeah. <laughs> it, it's really, really difficult. <laughs> so, and, and for others, it would be a huge success 50 or 60% and for some of these leaders in this company, oh, just 50 or 60%, this is horrible. And we should be selling <laughs> this. <laughs> and uh, and that, that's quite amazing. Uh, yeah. I will look to, um, to things. Cool. 
Something that I also enjoy a lot about your your um, your profile, Paul, and your experience is that you have a, a very strong knowledge about APAC um, and uh, I assume of the Asian culture and and the nuances across the Asian culture, as we say in Europe or in the US or Latin America. Uh, it, it's not Asian, it's not European, it's not America. There are a lot of cultures within those um, regions. But I think that yeah. you are building, as you said in the in the podcast, a very diverse. Uh, leadership team, which equips you to really uh, think global and think local uh, at the same time. How do you manage uh, those different cultures uh, when leading a leadership team? Because uh, as we know in Latin America and Asia, sometimes people are a little bit more subservient and they would not like to stand up and, and, and say their own opinions because of respect to, to, to the leader. Yeah. It's a great question. I'm not going to pretend to have a perfect answer to this because uh, yeah. there's constantly a challenge we all face, uh, yeah. uh, I think, there. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, actually, our, our company has like over 15 nationalities at just 80 people, so it's okay. quite, quite, quite diverse. Um, the leadership team is at least uh, six, and we have 10 people total on the team, so it's, it's still pretty diverse. Um, but yeah, I think like, you know, there's constantly challenges around that. And I think like, you know, one important thing that like our, our leadership coach that we work with Rob uh, helps that a lot with is, is making sure everyone has a voice in the room. So, you know, uh, by, we do this thing called a round, uh, which like if we have a, a topic uh, that we're discuss, uh, discussing or trying to solve a problem, we basically need to hear everyone's opinion before uh, like we start talking about the problem, right? So everyone will give their opinion without answering. So like no cross uh, uh, sort of communication or anything. It's just like Paul goes, then Alex goes, then Ivan goes, uh, then you know every single person on the team goes, and they don't talk to each other until the end. And then we kind of like get an understanding of uh, how people think about the problem, and then we go about solving it. I think that's really helpful because it helps with that problem where if you know if someone is more subservient, um, then they get a chance to voice their opinion or essentially are forced <laughs> to uh, uh, voice their opinion. Right. Um, and I think that really helps because everyone feels like their voice is heard. And I think like wh whether you drive consensus uh, or not, at least everyone gets a chance to, to voice their opinion on the subject, uh, which I think helps a lot if you do have to just make a decision and make everyone drive in the same direction, even if they, they don't ag agree. This is this is another great point. I think that one of the I also have my own coach, uh, which is uh, Shan Bacon, uh, based in 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 Victoria, close to Vancouver, in Canada, and he he, he teaches me this. So uh, we need to have different leadership styles in different situations of the company. So if we are in crisis, if we are going too much in consensus, we would be died before yeah. uh, making a, a decision. So then we need to trust the leader and lead need, needs to be needs to make the decision, if, even if it is the not the best one, but someone needs to make the decision and we all need to follow because if we start having uh, doubts, uh, we will all uh, die. And, and we know that those these kind of companies uh, sometimes are in life and death situations uh, and we need to have a lot of courage and, and we need to unite instead of um, diverge. Uh, when tough things happen, and they happen uh, often. So how do you combine those different situations when you need really to be decided and when you need to uh, make the team feel uh, hard, as, as, as you said, and evolve it? Yeah, sure. I, I think like, um, you know, we, we call it like wartime CEO, peacetime CEO. I, I'm pretty sure that's from, <laughs> right. I can't remember which one. <laughs> um, right. 
Yeah, um, but but definitely like uh, I mean I, I personally struggle much more with the wartime CEO uh, than the peacetime. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I think I'm much better peacetime CEO than I'm wartime, and uh, you know you know being that I try to avoid wartime as much as possible. Um, uh, but no one can and always avoid it. Um, yeah. So what I try to do is, is I work closer with my coach during uh, wartime around the decisions I'm making, uh, when to make them. Um, yeah, and then you know, like push myself to to make a decision. I, I think um, you know, great leaders, you know, are only right like just a little bit more than fifty percent of the time. Um, but uh, the important thing about them is just making the decision right uh, and not holding up the rest of the business without Absolutely. making one. Uh, so, so try to focus on that and do it. Uh, not perfect. Learned a lot. Got a lot of feedback from my team, uh, which has been very useful for, to, for me at getting better at this. Um, but yeah, I think you know, making the decision quickly, um, pointing the team in the right direction, and you know, you don't have to get consensus, but um, at least uh, uh, making sure that everyone has their voice heard is, is very helpful in uh, those decisions where they may not agree. Um, yeah, they disagree, but commit is kind of how we work it. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of introduced it sometimes, the topic, and we started with uh, Anne Bodden, the, the CEO of, of Starling Bank, uh, which is not a SaaS business, but we, we thought it would be an interesting outlier to, um, to bring to the show. And, and we know that sometimes the CEOs, we, we don't take, um, we don't do a very good job taking care of ourselves. So we always care about uh, the clients. We always care about the team. We always care about the investors. And sometimes there is no time to take care about ourselves. And we know to be in the best shape possible, uh, intellectually, physically, uh, spiritually, uh, we need to invest in, in taking care of, uh, of ourselves to be our best self uh, for, for those people as well. Um, so uh, how, how do you ensure that you keep your energy uh, in place and, and that you don't get too much inside the business and, and, uh, and your emotions start controlling yourself, right? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. And again, I learned this from, from making mistakes, but, um, yeah, I think like, you know, focusing, I focus a lot on fitness, um, just making sure that I have time. It's like one time when I, I still actually think about the business a little bit, but it's a lot less than normal. (laughs) Um, (laughs) we all struggle uh, with that. (laughs) I like to, I like, yeah, and like, you know, doing some, one of my friends who's also a CEO said he like, he loves uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And he said, uh, he said the reason he loves it is it's pretty hard uh, to think about your business when someone's trying to, to <laughs> choke you to death, right? And like, it makes sense, right? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> Very good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like fitness is important. Like if your body is, is healthy, uh, generally, at least personally, I feel like my mind is in a better place. Um, you know, I, I, I try not to, like, I think earlier on in my career, I, I drank a bit more than I should have. And I think I've cut that back a bit and uh, focused a lot more on just having a clear head as much as possible. I think that helps. Um, sleeping more, I think, uh, you know, there's nothing that can replace that. It's uh, uh, super helpful in terms of keeping you uh, not as stressed. Um, I wouldn't say it eliminates stress, but it does help manage it. Um, yeah, and then like, you know, taking time for yourself, uh, whether that's via meditation or whatever uh, your individual hobby is, like, is very important. And again, like I learned that from experience where I would just like dive into work for years at a time, never take a vacation. But more recently, I've I've taken some vacations and I feel like I've done a much better job at work uh, when I have a little bit of time off. And it can be just a day or two. But uh, having that time to uh, just get away and uh, relax, I think, is uh, really important and, and something that I took for granted for most of my career, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. And just coming a step back, you, you're talking about uh, the importance of sometimes uh, 
not going too fast in terms of growth to be able to prepare the machine, the growth machine to be more repeatable, scalable, profitable, uh, and namely about structuring the right team, having the right process in, 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 in place. Um, and this is very interesting. Uh, I'm not sure where, what is the, the source or what was the person that I was talking about it, but sometimes when we are moving from one to five million ARR, we, we are super excited about the market and we are uh, working a lot. Uh, we are very close to the client. We are outside selling. And then the system starts to, to, to break um, and we have a broken system. And then from five to 10, we go inside and we become too, too much inward uh, focused and solving issues uh, internally when there is more competition and we are getting to a certain um, threshold in terms of revenue, five to 10, where uh, competitors start looking to us, oh, what is happening with, with these guys? This is not anymore a small startup that is kind of trying to conquer or challenge us. This is becoming serious and, this, and the, the speed of growth, the pace of growth that they are achieving, it, we, we should be a little bit more aggressive uh, when we are competing for uh, the same um, clients. So what, what kind of job uh, have you been doing from this one to five and, and as you prepare to the five to 10 in terms of processes? So can you share any tips uh, around that? Yeah, I, I think from one to five, um, you know, we started building a sales team. Um, you know, we, we originally, we had a, a, a person in sales who didn't come from a startup um, previously. That didn't work out very quickly. Um, yep. and we hired individual salespeople, which I actually managed for the first year of, uh, from one to five. Um, mm -hmm. luckily we found a great VP of revenue who, um, was moving back to the region from, uh, the Valley, um, brought him in and, uh, you know, he's really built a lot of their processes and worked a lot with the team on sort of upskilling and coaching. I think for me, like, well, I've, I've, I've never been in a direct sales job. I've done sales, of course, um, uh, you know, <laughs> throughout my career. Right. And, some level of my career. I, I didn't know the processes and, you know, building out the CRM and sort of uh, how to build a cadence, how to run sales meetings and stuff like that. And I think, you know, bringing him in really showed me uh, what can be done if you do do that in the right way. Um, yeah. And I think that was a, a huge struggle for me. Same thing with marketing. You know, we, we brought in a, a VP of marketing who's been uh, seriously focused on building the, the internal gears of the machine that, uh, you know, uh, pump, pump leads out. Um, that's been hugely successful for us and uh, also helped us a lot in building our brand, uh, which is very important in the security space. Um, and again, like, you know, I knew how to build brand at some level, but building the machine is not something I had experience with and uh, bringing the right people in to build the, the marketing machine was hugely important. Um, but yeah, I think uh, these days it's more about making sure the different um, executives uh, work together well, uh, making sure we're solving problems like holistically for the company. Uh, so it's not just about product, not just about, uh, marketing or not just about sales, but like, how do we uh, solve the problems that are cross-functional? And I, I think that can be difficult, uh, especially if you have uh, 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 younger executives, uh, it can be difficult. Um, and these days focusing a lot on the team. Uh, so making sure that we have the right focus as a business, the right focus at the company, obviously fundraising uh, sucks up a bit of my time, but luckily my, my chairman's quite good at it. So he's, uh, he's been feeling the brunt of it. Um, yeah, and I think, um, right. you know, 
also it's like uh, the, the main struggle for me throughout that process was like not stepping on my executive's toes. It's like they, they have experience and know what they're doing. And I'm like, oh, do you think we should actually do that? I'm not sure. And then they're like, yeah, we should definitely do this. Like, I know this. I'm like, uh, okay. Um, but I definitely stepped on their toes way too much. And I, that's like one thing I regret. I should have just let them run a bit more. But, um, you know, I think that's the struggle that uh, a lot of us uh, uh, early entrepreneur CEOs uh, struggle with is, is, you know, you want to be involved. You're not sure what to do. You're not sure what to focus on. Um, and you struggle to find that. And I think, uh, you know, over the past six months, I've sort of figured it out, but it wasn't easy. Uh, so these days I'm focused much more on like top of funnel stuff. So like speaking a lot at uh, conferences, uh, talking about the company, um, talking about our, our new products, um, uh, doing things around recruiting, uh, bringing in the right people to help us scale. Uh, and then, you know, running the leadership team uh, meetings, uh, you know, managing internal conflicts, managing internal uh, retention of the the, uh, the customers, but also uh, the team members that work at the, the company as well. And uh, one thing I started recently is like meeting uh, as many, well, usually uh, the top 20 customers every quarter. Um, and I think that's uh, brought a lot of value uh, for us as a business as well. And um, I think it went from meeting every customer to like top 20 um, and then meeting whatever customers I can uh, throughout that process. And I think that that's really helped in uh, um, sort of solidifying those relationships with our big customers um, and making them like, you know, Harangi supporters and, and allowing uh, them and us to talk about uh, our relationship. Again, very good um, lessons shared. Um, Paul, we are coming to the to the end of the of the podcast, and uh, unfortunately, there is still so much room to to discuss, namely fundraising lessons and so on. But uh, that's a good excuse to have you back uh, soon to share your lessons as you keep scaling. Uh, so, if if you would um, have the opportunity to come back to to meet Paul four years ago when you were starting Orangi, so what would be the key advice that you would give to your uh, younger self? Yeah, I, I think this is a great question. I, um, you know, and uh, as I think about it, um, there's, there's a couple major things. Uh, so one is like, um, I would have hired products and marketing way earlier than I did. I think we hired them around one to 2 million and actually most of the product or marketing stuff was done by myself, um, up to that point. Um, and I think like there's a couple lessons learned there that I missed. And if I would have hired experts in the field earlier, we could have been a bit further along. Um, so that's like one uh, major thing that I would uh, uh, tell myself. And, uh, you know, coming from Palantir, it was a company that really didn't have marketing most of the time I was there. Uh, I didn't value as much as I should have. And yeah, that's a, a big thing of mine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like, you know, focus is important. Like I definitely made a couple of decisions where we went off um, in the wrong direction. I didn't recognize it quick, quickly enough and should have shifted faster. Um, you know, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but... Uh, yeah, I think that, that's another regret that I'm sure most <laughs> CEOs or founders have. And then, um, you know, the, the last thing I think would Absolutely. be is like, um, you know, just getting, uh, executives earlier. Um, I think a lot of the value, uh, for me, uh, growing as a CEO, um, and of course the company as well as, is, is having the experience of, uh, seasoned ex executives in their field, uh, to solve problems, um, and types of people that allow me to focus on what's important in the business and not on uh, managing them. I think that that really helped me uh, and is one of the defining points, I think, in accompanying um, uh, as well as in, in my growth as well. Uh, so I think those three things is really uh, what, it, what it is for me. 
that's an amazing way of uh, closing the show. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for making the time to, to share your story with us. Yeah, th thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks for having us. And to our community, thanks for being there. Uh, we keep bringing the best tech leaders in the world to help you scale from 2 million to 100 million. See you soon and keep scaling.